Hello, I'm Daniel Desmond, and welcome to Does Caught It. I'm here today with Caleb Goldstein. Hello. This is a podcast about football for real fans, and we're going to be talking about fantasy, gambling, and Jackson Mahomes' TikTok and all the crazy things about the NFL, and we're going to have some fun. We're going to do recurring segments with my friends and argue about some football. Today, we're going to look at the top seven at each position, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, in fantasy, and say if and see if they will keep this pace up or not. We are also going to be giving our games of the week and picks later in the episode. So our first segment of today, like I said, is going to be looking at the top seven, play- top seven players, at QB, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. And we're going to pick one guy who we think is going to fall off the pace and one guy who we think is going to uh, pick up the pace. Um, so the top seven QBs, as it stands after week five, is Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, Matthew Stafford. So, Caleb, who is not staying at this pace? Um, Someone that I think is not staying at the pace is Kyler Murray. You know, he's already falling off over the last three games. He had two big first weeks, obviously, which has almost completely blinded everyone for the honestly disappointing performances that he has had over the last couple um, even against the Rams, when they completely dominated that game, he only threw for 260 yards and two touchdowns. Um, he hasn't had many good rushing games since week one and two. He rushes seven, eight times a game, but for only 30 yards, maybe a touchdown if you're lucky. Um, you know, his rushing upside will always keep him in around the top 10, but he'll still, I think he's going to drastically fall off. So what do you think's up with him? Um, honestly, it's just the Cardinals offense has looked good, but it's almost like when their offense isn't playing well, their defense steps up, when their defense isn't playing well, their offense steps up. Mm-hmm. And um, in the all-around, even in the all-around win against the Rams, um, like I said, he didn't do very well. Um, I feel like it's only a matter, it's when he does well, it's only when the whole entire team plays really well, like against the tight ends, or if it's just a shootout where he just needs to constantly yeah. throw the ball. But other than that, it's like against the 49ers, they won 17 to 10. It wasn't really like a Kyler Murray show. It was mostly just the defense. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's really just hit or miss with, with him. I feel like, so right now he is the, um, uh, he's just outside of the top seven right now, actually. And I feel like, I feel like, like you said, just keeping around that top 10 area is something that he'll definitely do. <clears throat> Uh, his rushing upside, like all these quarterbacks that have these rushing upsides, I always feel like are going to be inside the top 10 or just barely outside of it. And I think the biggest thing is that he is hurt again with this shoulder injury. And I think that's definitely holding back his passing a little bit. And like you said, besides week one and two, his running has gone down a little bit. I think that's definitely because of his shoulder. Yeah, and and honestly, like when D Hop is playing to the best of his abilities, I think Kyler obviously he has a lot better of a chance to do well. Like in Week One, D Hop had like over a hundred yards and I think two touchdowns. But um, he really just has D Hop has really regressed over the past weeks. And if Kyler doesn't have that number one target that he's always looking to, it's really hard for him to put up these three hundred, four hundred yards passing game and also get maybe a rushing touchdown. So the guy who I have that won't stay at this pace is Lamar Jackson. And you might be thunk you might be thinking he might be the MV- the leading MVP candidate right now, but I don't think that he'll fall off drastically, but 
Lamar is throwing the ball at an average of 30 to- 33 times this year compared to last year where he was averaging the league lowest 23 attempts per game. He has 1,519 passing yards, but I don't think that he's going to be able to maintain his average of 303 passing yards a game. And honestly, Lamar has only been good in two games this year against the Colts last week and against the Chiefs. Against the Lions, Raiders, and Broncos, he only put up 18 points. His rushing floor, like I said, will always keep him as a top 10 quarterback, but I feel like his passing is definitely going to regress as the season goes on and I feel like when there's like these close games or if they're up by a lot Lamar's not going to be passing as much and they're just going to give it off to the running backs and I could definitely see Lamar slowing down a little bit yeah I agree in these close games that the Ravens have it tends to be lower scoring like against the Lions you know 19 to 17 or whatever Mm -hmm. it was and with that game winning kick and I feel like when they're not playing from behind or just in a complete shootout Lamar is really like held to not that many points and when they're when the defenses that he's playing against tends to figure him out like the lions did um he really just is not as dominant but i think that again lamar's also just hit or miss when you know he could go for 30 points Mm -hmm. every game so it's not like you can bench him because he could easily just go off like he did against the colts for 40 points but also he does have these games where he just gets shut down on most ends of the ball and just scores 16, 18 points. But I feel like just because he can run the ball so well, it's just is hard to put him outside outside the top seven. And I feel like maybe he'll go down a little bit. Josh Allen's been playing really well. Maybe he'll jump him. But I feel like it's really hard to put him outside the top seven just because he just runs the ball like he's a running back. Yeah. So um, who do you think is rising up and who do you think is going to jump up a little bit in this list? Um, definitely Jalen Hurts. Um, he has four rushing touchdowns over the last two games, and he's really proven that even in a bad game where the offense doesn't play well, he can put up 25 points in fantasy. Um, the Eagles offense obviously has drastically underperformed against the, honestly, top two defenses in the last two weeks, the Bucks and the Panthers. Both have been playing pretty well. Bucks defense hasn't been playing great, but their front seven is always amazing. And um, I feel like Jalen Hurts has crazy rushing upside. Um, he's a great like he's a great quarterback in general. The offense hasn't really been clicking. Um, but if the if Nick Sirianni can start to implement him more and stop doing these read options that never work and start to run the ball more and open up the field more for Jalen Hurts passing, he can easily be a top five fantasy quarterback. I feel like the big thing here with Jalen Hurts and I would actually say Jalen Hurts is uh, gonna fall off the pace a little bit. Like the way, the way, like you said, that like even when his team underperforms, he's still putting up good fantasy points. It's because he's just cashing in these rushing touchdowns at like the end of games, like against the Bucks there, like dead in the water. Eagles had no chance. And then all of a sudden, he just rushes in for a couple touchdowns. And I don't think that's going to keep up, especially the way that Nick Sirianni is coaching this team, which is god awful. I feel like Jalen Hurts is going down right now. And I feel like his weapons just don't help him at all well i feel like the way sariani is coaching is that he's just really not running the ball and he's mainly running the ball to jalen hurts especially in the red zone you know we were on the one yard line and didn't run the ball to miles sanders but when they got backed up a little bit ran the ball right to jalen hurts and he scored just against the like against the panthers he was the reason why we won that game why the eagles won that game and with his rushing ability they're the reason why they won the game and 
Um, it's clear that Jalen Hurts is honestly the number one red zone target that Sirianni likes to go to because there's not really many receiving mm-hmm. weapons. With Goddard out last week, obviously that made Jalen Hurts more of a weapon in the red zone, but he's just the clear one first or second option when they go to the red zone. And, um, you know, against the Bucks, it wasn't garbage time. I mean, you could call it garbage time touchdowns, but he, he Jalen Hurts gave the Eagles a chance to win that game with his rushing touchdowns, and I feel like that'll keep up even when, like, when they're down in games again. Like you said, they're always down. Um, I feel like that'll just keep up because they'll always be down and always having those garbage time touchdowns. And then when they blow teams out of the water, you know, Jalen Hurts will also have a big game. And, you know, when they're down he'll still get those garbage time touchdowns. And like I said, when they're up, he'll also have a great game. Those are good points there. So the guy who I have rising up is Josh Allen. And you might be wondering how could he rise up? He's the QB4 right now. But he will finish as the number one quarterback this year. His rushing floor is slept on very heavily as he actually is tied with Sam Darnold for the most rushing touchdowns by a QB. And I think that the Bills are the best team in football. and the Bills are playing awesome football right now. They're getting everybody involved besides Stephon Diggs. And Josh Allen's running the ball. They're putting up 40 points a week. And I think that they have found their stride. And I think that when Josh Allen starts to incorporate Diggs a little bit more into their offense, and Josh Allen's going to keep on running at this at this pace, he's just going to keep rising and rising. And I think he will finish as the QB1 this year. Yeah, I agree. After week one, people really slept yeah. on him and completely were out on him. But I feel like he hasn't really gotten that test yet of playing against a good defense. He's really just put up 40 points a week. The Chiefs obviously are a good team usually. We don't know this year. But, you know, they're obviously a good team, but their defense is is terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh Allen really hasn't gotten that test yet. But for now, obviously, he's been looking like the best quarterback or the best fantasy quarterback, at least, in the league. And, you know, the Bills are incredible. The Bills, honestly, I think are also the number two team next to the Cardinals. But, um, you know, Josh Allen can definitely make that jump to QB1 if he can perform against those top defenses like he struggled against against the Steelers week one. Mm-hmm. So, like, the defenses that Josh Allen have played, obviously the Chiefs' defense is abysmal right now. The football team defense is abysmal. And then they go up against the Steelers' defense, who is good. They had all their starters because it was week one. And... Josh Allen was nowhere to be found in that game. So, like you said, I would be interested in seeing how Josh Allen can go up against, like, these big-time defenses. And also, specifically, I feel like New England has, has, like, a good mark on Josh Allen. I would be interested to see how how Josh Allen plays in that game. But Josh Allen has been the QB1 the past three weeks by actually 30 points to Mm -hmm. Lamar Jackson. I think that's just that trajectory that he's on. He's going to keep that up, and he'll just finish as the QB1. So now we're going to shift into the top seven running backs. Um, Number one is Derrick Henry. Number two is Austin Eckler. Three, Cordell Patterson. Four, Najee Harris. Five, Ezekiel Elliott. Six, Kareem Hunt. Seven, DeAndre Swift. So, Caleb, who is not keeping up at this pace? Um, Someone that I think isn't keeping up is Kareem Hunt. Um, he's in a two running back backfield with Chubb out this week. He'll obviously have a very good week, but I think when Chubb returns, Cream Hunt is really very touchdown dependent. And honestly, with that Browns offense, it really just depends 
who the Browns have a big drive with whenever it's like each running back's drive. If they have a big drive on Chubb's drive, Chubb will normally stay in for those red zone carries. And if they have a big drive on Kareem Hunt's drive, Kareem Hunt will stay in and get that touchdown. So I feel like it really just depends, and it's honestly just luck who scores those touchdowns. And it's really just whoever the Browns coaches decide to give the ball to the red, in the red zone. It could be either one. I disagree with this strongly. So, like, as you said before, with Nick Chubb being out, Kareem Hunt, I think, is going to have a monster game against this Cardinals defense. But I do feel like... I do feel like the big thing is that between Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb is that Kareem Hunt catches these passes. And Baker... Even Kevin Stefanski is scared of Baker. And Baker's scared of his his own self. Like, they're trying to run this two-minute drill against the Chargers last week. And they just kept on dumping it down to Kareem Hunt. And I feel like Nick Chubb always will be the best running back on that team. But I feel like Kareem Hunt's floor is miles ahead of Nick Chubb. And I think Kareem Hunt, if they just keep on seeing the same volume, I wouldn't say that he's touchdown dependent just because of all these targets that he gets. Um, He does get targets. He doesn't really get that many unless it's like he's in on the two-minute drill or he's in when there's like two minutes left in the fourth quarter, two minutes left in the half, and they have to score. Chubb normally isn't in because you can't really run the ball. But on Kareem Hunt's drives, he gets one to two targets like when they're actually trying to march down and score the ball when they aren't really like worrying about time. And when Chubb is in, normally he doesn't get subbed out that much unless they're on the one-yard line, which for some reason they run the ball to Kareem Hunt. But um, I feel like it it really just depends with these Browns running backs, which is why I traded away Chubb in one of my leagues is because I just don't trust that both of them will be able to have a good week, except if, you know, obviously against the Chargers, they put up 45 points. Both of them are going to have a good week if that happens. But... Really, I just don't really trust that unless it's a shootout, they both will be able to have a good, like, really good weeks. I mean, I wouldn't say that, like, a shootout is necessary. Kareem Hunt has only had one bad game, and it was against the Texans, and Chubb Chubb went off that week, and then Chubb has had a couple of bad games, but for the most part, they've had good weeks together, and I mean, like, Kevin Stefanski wants to run the ball. He doesn't want Baker to throw it, especially because Baker is playing with, like, a torn labrum. Like, he just doesn't want Baker to throw it. They're just going to keep on running it. They're going to keep on dumping it down. And I just feel like Kareem Hunt in that circumstance, his value is just going to remain the same, if not even go up with Baker's shoulder injury because Baker doesn't want to throw the ball deep. Yeah, I feel like over these next weeks, Kareem Hunt will be very reliable. But when Chubb ends up coming back, I'm not sure when that is, he will, his value will just go down, and he definitely won't keep this number six running back. I think Chubb will jump him. I think other running backs will also jump him at number six. He can still maybe maintain like a top 12, top 11, top 10 guy, but I feel like he definitely will not be able to keep up mm-hmm. top six because it's really hard to do that when you have two running backs. On the team. Yeah. So you were just talking about the val- the volume that Kareem Hunt sees, but I'm going to be talking about the very limited role that Cordell Patterson actually has. He's, I think he's going to fall off this top three running back pace here. And so, like I said, uh, like I just said about the touches, Derrick Henry obviously leads the league in touches, but the guys behind him or around him, uh, around Cordell Patterson, Zeke, Najee, Kamara, Aaron Jones, 
all see roughly 10 to 15 more touches than him. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire even has more touches than Cordell Patterson. So I don't think that 10 touches a game can fuel a top three running back, especially in like kind of like a crappy offense with Matt Ryan, Calvin. It's not a crappy offense, but there's just like a lot of weapons there. And Matt Ryan might not be the most sustainable quarterback. And you have like Mike Davis, who he's going to be splitting carries with and Kyle Pitts and Ridley to take away his targets. I just feel like his volume cannot keep him up at a top three pace. Um, I think, yeah, he won't be top three, but I think he can easily um, keep you top seven. He's literally a receiver disguised as a running back. He gets six to seven targets a game and he has the ability to catch balls like a receiver. And he's the receiver too on that team. If he would play receiver, Kyle Pitts is the tight end, obviously, but he really hasn't seen that much volume except for last week. And I think Patterson could easily keep this up. I think, um, he does not get as many rushing touches as one would like to get as a fantasy running back but he definitely gets the touches where they count as like getting receptions and if you're in a ppr league patterson could easily be a reliable like start rb1 at that point and he gets the touchdowns against the jets he had i think it was 18 points with no touchdowns he gets the volume in the receiving game and it really just makes up for him not being able to really run the ball as often as he can because of mike davis in the backfield and I feel like Patterson, if he gets a touchdown, he will have those 20, 25-point weeks because of just how badly Ridley's been and how Ridley hasn't been bad, but he just hasn't been as reliable as he normally is. And Pitts just really isn't getting the targets that everyone expected him to get. So I think Patterson is really just like taking that role as like one of the main offensive weapons on the, on the Falcons. And they're always behind in games. They have to throw the ball a lot. And I think Patterson will definitely keep not keep this up, not at top three, but I think he'll be top seven by the end of the year. I just think that purely out of touches, like like I said, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire actually has more touches than Cordell Patterson. And I mean, Clyde's a fringe line RB20 right now. And I mean, like 10 touches a game cannot keep up the pace with these guys like Derrick Henry who get 30 touches a game, Najee 25, Zeke 20, Kamara 25, Aaron Jones 25, like 10 touches cannot keep up with the pace, even if he catches like seven balls in a PPR league, especially because these guys like Kamara and Aaron Jones haven't even really found their stride yet. So I'm expecting Cordell Patterson to definitely regress, especially because the Falcons, I, I don't trust in their offense. I think this is a perfect time to sell high right now on Cordell Patterson. All right. That was a good one. Yeah. So... <clears throat> now we're going to be looking at the running backs who we think are going to be rising up. And Caleb, who do you think is going to be rising up? Um, I have James Robinson. Um, over the first two games, he had less than 10 touches. Urban Meyer really did not know how to use him in the offense. But over the last three, he's had 15-plus carries and 20-plus fantasy points. Urban Meyer really found a way to work him into the offense. And um, they don't want to really rely heavily on Trevor Lawrence to just throw the ball over the place because mm-hmm. he's a rookie. And James Robinson will definitely be going up and up and up. Um, He's had those 20-point games, and he's really getting the volume that we saw out of him last year where he really had that breakout year. And I think he'll definitely not. Yeah, he'll definitely jump. Yeah, I could see him into the top seven this year. And I mean, like, you just look at his, like, past three games have been 20-plus points each time. And 
it, it's weird because the Jags are 0-5 and you would never suspect a running back, similar to DeAndre Swift, you would never expect a running back to have all these points when they're losing all these games. And I mean, like, James Robinson in the first two weeks just did not see the volume that he was used to yeah. just because Urban Meyer is doing some weird stuff over there in Jacksonville. But um, <laughs> he's doing a lot of weird stuff. But um, I think that James Robinson, as he sees more more volume uh, in the upcoming weeks, I think he could definitely jump into the top seven. I wouldn't even yeah. be surprised if he's around like the RB5 this year. Um, I don't think he'll go that far, but I think he'll definitely jump into the top seven. Maybe like out, uh, he's definitely going to outwork uh, Swift and some of the other running backs that are there. And I feel like he'll really just make that jump just because of how many touches he's getting and how much they have to rely on him. Yeah. So my guy who's rising up um, is Daryl Henderson. Obviously, he isn't in the top seven. He's the RB16, but he did miss week three, and he is the RB12 in points per game. Um, I think that he is fully involved in this offense, and it's his backfield now. Sony Michelle gets like a couple of carries a game, but when we were going into the season before Cam Akers got hurt, this is what we thought Cam Akers was going to be, and Daryl Henderson's just doing that. I mean, he's just consistently putting up 15-plus points a week, and he's a guy who can catch out of the backfield and run in the red zone, and Daryl Henderson, when fully healthy, should definitely be able to keep up this pace of 15, 16-plus points um, per week, and I think that he could jump up into maybe the top seven. Yeah, I completely agree with this. A Rams offense who is normally ahead of team, they're really high-powered. I feel like yeah. this week, especially against the Giants, he could easily have that big week. Yeah. Um he could easily, you know, they're going to be up by 20 plus points that, that in, against the Giants. And I think um they're going to pound the ball with Henderson. Um he's definitely like he's definitely a reliable running back. Um I don't know if he'll make that jump to top 7. I feel like there are running backs ahead of him that will still be just as good as him and get that volume, but I think he'll definitely be top 10 and he'll definitely he definitely has the ability to be top 7 just it depends how the Rams use him. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in the first two weeks, Cooper Cup was getting 15, 16 targets a game. I don't think that'll keep up. Um, and I think Henderson will definitely, like, he definitely has gotten his role in the offense, and I think he'll, like, make an even bigger impact. Yeah, definitely. Um, so now we're going to shift over to the top seven wide receivers here. Number one, Cooper Cup. Number two, my boy, Mike Williams. Number three, Tyreek Hill. Number four, Devontae Adams. Number five, Debo Samuel. Number six, Marquise Hollywood-Brown. Number seven, DJ Moore. So, Caleb, who is not staying at this base? Um, I think 100% Cooper Cup. Um, <laughs> the first three weeks, obviously, uh, I have Robert Woods in fantasy. I was really upset about the volume that he was getting. Cooper Cup was getting 15 targets a game, but I think teams have really started to shadow him with their best receiver, which is really going to open up the floor corner, for Robert right? Woods. Yeah, their best corner, by the way. Which is really going to open up the floor for Robert Woods. And I think Robert Woods could be a top seven receiver. You know, with Cooper Cup getting these, like all the best corners on him, Robert Woods is really just open on the majority of the plays. And Robert Woods doesn't really have that deep ball aspect, but he'll get nine, ten targets a game and really take them away from Cooper Cup. And he's really been targeted more consistently in the last games and have had touchdowns he hasn't really punched it in that much except in uh week one against the bears but i feel like he doesn't cooper cup does get those red zone targets which is why i think he can stay in that top 10 area 
But with Higby and Woods and Jefferson and Deshaun Jackson, I feel like there's just not an, there's too many mouths to feed for Cooper Cup to stay at top well top one and even top five. I definitely do think that he'll fall back a little bit, and I think that guys like Devonte Adams, Mike Williams, Tyree Kill can maybe jump him, but Cooper Cup is Matthew Stafford's favorite target, and that's without a doubt. And I mean, like you said, he's not seeing like these 15 targets a game anymore, but he's still seeing like a consistent 8 to 10 targets a game. And I mean, like when you get that type of volume in this high-powered offense and you're the number one target, you're definitely going to stay around as like a top five, top seven wide receiver. I wouldn't say Rob. I think Robert Woods is like the same as I saw him at the start of the season, where it's a guy who isn't known for scoring touchdowns, but he'll definitely go off and have a lot of catches a couple of weeks. But I feel like Cooper Cup is just going to keep remaining that guy. Um, I think Woods is actually going to take over that role. You know, last week he's got more targets, and I feel like offenses or defenses are really adapting to the fact that Cooper Cup is that clear number one target. But I feel like because of this, he'll sort of shy to the number two target on that team and with the deep ball to Jefferson and Deshaun Jackson I feel like Cooper Cup really won't really uh, get that big play aspect he'll keep getting targets I'm not going to deny that he'll obviously get seven eight nine targets a game but he won't be able to keep up receiver one receiver two receiver three right now week five until the end of the season disregarding injuries who gets more points Robert Woods or Cooper Cup Robert Woods really yep you honestly believe that? Yes. He was the receiver one last year on the team, and I think he'll retake that role. Okay. Okay. So my guy who is rising down is actually DJ Moore. Um, Sam Darnold has really slowed down since his first three weeks, and he's kind of playing like his former Jet self. Um, if that keeps happening, DJ Moore, and I know Robbie Anderson hasn't been off to the best of starts, but they're both going to keep struggling and I think the Panther schedule has been really easy going up against like teams like the Texans and Jets and I feel like with DJ Moore struggling Darnold might struggle and CMC obviously went on the IR so definitely DJ Moore is the number one option on this team but DJ Moore he's going to start getting a lot more attention by defensive coordinators and defenses and as their as the Panther schedule starts getting harder and harder, and Darnold keep if he starts getting worse and worse, DJ Moore is gonna keep regressing a little bit and down to like six, eight targets a game, and be lucky if he gets a touchdown. Yeah, um, and then last week against the Eagles, he got completely locked up by Darius Slay. Darius Slay had <laughs> two interceptions against DJ Moore actually, and um, I feel like with McCaffrey out, um, it's really hard for DJ Moore to get as much like as many points as he has with McCaffrey and I feel like yeah. McCaffrey really helps him out because you know he's this main like attraction on mm-hmm. the Panthers and I feel like he's really the teams that are the per- person that teams really shy in on and I feel like with Hubbard there he still gets as like a little bit less volume than McCaffrey does but he's just not as big of a name and I feel like teams haven't really like main den on Hubbard and I feel like they're really just focusing on DJ Moore because he's the only off yeah. the only receiver that's been performing on that team. I think, you know, Robbie Anderson's obviously just had the most disappointing year ever. Um <laughs> it's he's been terrible. And I feel like DJ Moore with McCaffrey, if McCaffrey comes back, DJ Moore will definitely start performing a lot more, I think. 
But with McCaffrey out, you know, more, just DJ Moore, just he's going to be the number one target or he's going to be the number one option on the Panthers, but also the number one option clearly for defenses to really tone in on. And they're going to put their number one corner on him. And I just think he won't really be able to have it, those big games that he has. I'm playing DJ Moore uh, in our poly friend league. And I'm a little bit nervous this week as they go up against the Vikings. But I'm also just as uh, as I am nervous, I'm just as interested in seeing how well Darnold goes against kind of a bad Vikings defense. And I feel like this this would be a good week to tell you the trajectory of Darnold and Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. Because yeah, if definitely. they if they can't do it against this Vikings defense, I, I don't know. I question their ability to do it against anybody else. Yeah, definitely. Um so Caleb, who do you have rising up that could jump into this top seven list? Um, definitely DK Metcalf. Um, he has had not as many targets as people would hope he has with Russell Wilson. Um but with Wilson and Carson out, Geno Smith, even though he's only played, he only played half a quarter, made it clear that DK was the receiver one. Geno Smith really can't roll out like Russell Wilson does and throw those deep balls to lock it. He can't really, he doesn't have the arm that Russ does to throw it deep to lock it. And with Carson out, I feel like DK is just that clear receiver one that can just get you those 20 yard gains and also most of the targets in the red zone. Um, yeah, and Geno Smith just can't get out of the pocket to wait for Lockett to get that separation, which is mainly what Lockett is like known for with Russ in that offense is just those deep balls. And Lockett gets some targets, obviously, and with like short passes and like outs, but DK just normally gets the ball across the middle of the field, and he really just will rise up as receiver one, and I think he can go into the top seven. I'm going to give you one name, Geno Smith. Yeah. Yeah. DK Metcalf is going to fall off. Geno Smith is not going to be able to keep up what Russell Wilson was doing and providing volume for DK Metcalf. It's not going to happen. Russell Wilson wasn't really providing volume for DK Metcalf, and honestly, Geno Smith looked great against the Rams. See, because it's different. It's like when teams game plan for That's a week, true. it's like they're like literally like Aaron Donald, the entire defensive line, is preparing against Russell Wilson. Geno Smith hasn't played in the league for five years. So when you go from a guy like Russell Wilson to Geno Smith, and, like, they have no idea how they're going to change their game plan, especially when they're up in, like, the third quarter. But Geno Smith, it was a fluke last week. He's not going to keep up this pace. They go against the Steelers. I would be surprised if DK Metcalf finishes as, like, a top 20 wide receiver. Um, I think... You know, Geno Smith has never really had those weapons. I'm not really, I'm not saying, obviously, that he's a great quarterback, but he's never had any weapons, really, to work with. And I think He had Brandon Marshall. That's like yeah. DK Metcalf. No, but there's more on Seattle. And he's never really had those great weapons to work with. I feel like against the Steelers' defense, it'll obviously be a test this week. But even after this week, I'm not even talking about just this week. I'm saying until Russell Wilson returns and after rush returns even, I think DK will get a lot more targets. Teams are really locking up Lockett on the deep ball. He hasn't really gotten one in the past three weeks, and I feel like DK is just that under-out guy that you can just see a lot of volume towards. Yeah, I, I, I think DK is definitely going to regress. Um, but the guy that ha I have rising up is Stephon Diggs. Uh, he's currently the wide receiver 25, but he's actually tied for eighth for targets. But 
the one thing is that he only has one touchdown this year. Yeah. And if he starts to get back into the end zone and he starts to kind of find his groove with Josh Allen a little bit more, there's just so much volume on this uh, on this offense that he'll definitely ju- jump back up into uh, his role as a top five wide receiver. And I mean, as long as he just starts getting, he's already seeing like enough volume, like I said, with eighth and targets. But I feel like if he just starts clicking in the red zone, he starts to get a little bit more touchdowns. And I think that him and Josh Allen are just a little bit off. And, like, his volume is kind of creeping out towards, like, uh, Dawson Knox and Emmanuel Sanders. But those guys don't really scare me with Stephon Diggs. And I feel like right now is a perfect time to buy low on Diggs. And I think it's a perfect time um, for Diggs to start stepping his game up as the Bills look to just keep on dominating teams. Yeah, I feel like... When Diggs has been on the Bills, he's never really experienced that, like, lower of red zone targets. You know, he yeah. hasn't really had many weapons around him when he's been on the Bills. Obviously, when he was on the Vikings, there was Thielen. But um, when he's been on the Bills, it's only really been Cole Beasley who's still there. Um, and there, then there's also now Emmanuel Sanders who's really taking that role of receiver yeah. two really well. Um, nobody really expected him to be like this, but he's really performed very well. Dawson Knox is just this surprisingly like breakout tight end who's mm-hmm. getting not that many. He's he's stealing a couple targets from Diggs in the red zone and on and getting those like forty yard touchdowns somehow. Yeah. Um. And I feel like Diggs can definitely bounce back from this. Um. But also the Bills are really running the ball more than people expected with Zach Moss and Singletary sometimes. And last year they didn't really have that running back that was really reliable and they didn't really run the ball that much. But I think Diggs, I don't know if he has, if he's going to get as much volume as he did last year to put him in that top three position like he was ranked in fantasy this year. But I think he could definitely make his way into the top seven, top five. Yeah, definitely. So now we're going to look at the top seven tight ends. Um, Number one, Obviously, Travis Kelsey. Number two, Mark Andrews. Number three, Dawson Knox. Four, Dalton Schultz. Five, Darren Waller. Six, TJ Hawkinson. Seven, Kyle Pitts. So, Caleb, who do you have falling off this pace? Well, I have Mark Andrews. You're just mad that you know, it might you're be just because... mad that you were down. Tw- you were up 28 points going into Monday night, and Mark Andrews put up 41. I was up, I think it was 30-something. You know, Mark Andrews put up 43 points against me. Honestly, That's the only reason why you put him here. That is not the only reason. You have no opinion against him if he doesn't do that. You know, he doesn't really get those targets. He gets five to six targets a game, except for the game against the Colts, obviously at 13. Um, You know, it was his first game with a touchdown the whole entire season. Mark Andrews (laughs) has not scored a touchdown except in that game against the Colts. He didn't have a touchdown before, and I feel like the only reason he was really getting the ball that much is because they're playing behind the whole entire game. You know, this is a mainly running-based offense, and I feel like they're going to run the ball a lot more with Lamar and with their running backs, and Hollywood Brown gets those deep targets, and I feel like Mark Andrews, obviously, he's just like a tight end that just gets those, like, he'll get, like, six receptions, five receptions a game. I don't think he'll get that many touchdowns. He hasn't gotten that many touchdowns. He got two against the Colts. He didn't have any before that. You know, I hate him because, obviously, (laughs) he might have ruined my whole entire fantasy year, but um, I just feel like he won't be able to keep this up. Definitely not top two. He's, like, I mean, like, Lamar is 
obviously, like I said earlier, Lamar might slow down a little bit in passing, but I feel like Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews, I think, are kind of starting to creep up and assert themselves as, like, uh, like very viable options on this team. And, I mean, like, Rashad Bateman comes back this week, and, I mean, like, I would really love to see. I loved Rashad Bateman out of college. I'd be really interested to see how he gets incorporated into the offense. He can maybe steal a couple of targets from guys like Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews, yeah. but... I definitely think Mark Andrews is going to, he's not going to fall off. He might fall off the pace a little bit as like the tight end two and drop down to like the tight end four. But I don't think he's going to drop off like outside of this top seven. No. Or maybe uh, even yeah. the top five. I think he'll drop pretty, I, I think he'll drop to five or six. I feel like the guy that I have actually will completely jump almost <laughs> everybody. Um, but yeah. Um. Okay. So my guy who I don't think will stay at this pace, is Darren Waller. And since week one, Darren Waller has been averaging 4.5 catches per game. Um, Derek Carr has fallen off his pace drastically. And obviously, the whole situation with John Gruden might throw this team into cahoots. And I will be really surprised if Waller sees a huge workload uh, going forward. And honestly, against this Broncos defense, I would maybe consider benching him. And I mean, like, Darren Waller, obviously, he might see more volume. But honestly, teams, when they fire their coach, it's just like, it just frees, they just give it to their best player every time. And they're just going to feed him the ball, and I can maybe see that happening. But I'm I'm out on Derek Carr. I just don't think he's going to be able to keep the pace up that he did in week one, week two, and week three. Yeah. And I think Darren Waller is going to fall off. It's so weird what's happening, too, because week one against the Ravens, was it? Yeah. Was it? He had 13 targets, and they won yeah, and the more. game. He had, like, 16. Yeah, he had 16, 15 targets, and they won the game. And, you know, the offense didn't even look bad. The offense it was look struggled good. a little bit because they were just chucking it to Darren Waller. But the times when they drove the ball was also to Darren Waller. So I feel like I don't know what this Raiders offense is really doing. They've really fallen off over the mm-hmm. past few weeks, not throwing the ball to Darren Waller. I'm not sure yeah. why they're not. Um, you know, if Darren Waller doesn't get the that, I don't. If he doesn't get the volume, then I don't think the Raiders offense will be good. Period. And I don't think that Darren Waller obviously won't be good because the Raiders offense won't be good. Mm-hmm. I this Raiders situation is just so weird, and like Darren Waller and Derek Carr, I think are just gonna like. Just like, I don't even know like a word to kind of describe it, but they're just going to like tail off kind of. And I just don't think that they're going to be able to like be good this year. Like, I think they're just going to completely fall off and not be good. Yeah, I think Waller will still be top five. Like He's he's not going to be top five. The Raiders have never really been good. He's not going to be top five. He definitely will. I see guys like TJ Hawkins and Kyle Pitts all going over him. He's a borderline top 10 tight end right now. Uh, yeah. Especially against the Broncos, I would be genuinely surprised if he saw more than five more than five or six catches. Like, very surprised if that happened. So, get to your guy. Who's going to jump over all of these? Who's going to jump over Mark Andrews? Dallas Goddard. <laughs> Dallas Goddard is going to be a top three time by the end of the year. Um, Zach Ertz <laughs> just got traded to the Cardinals. Um, Dallas Goddard has still gotten that red zone targets, and I feel like with Devontae Smith not performing 
as well as people expected. Devontae Smith is still the clear receiver one on that team, but there's really not many people on the Eagles who can even catch the ball at this point. <laughs> Jalen Rager, who I started in fantasy, had zero points, a couple <laughs> so drops. Dumb. He can't catch the ball. Um, but Dallas Goddard is just that staple tight end, and he's very good. He's definitely clearly that generational talent that the Eagles were looking for in the tight end position. That's why they traded Ertz, and you know they're clearly just ready to give the ball to Goddard a lot because they 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 knew that they don't even need a tight end anymore. Um, the Eagles, Nick Sirianni has not ran the ball, like I said before, and I think Goddard is really going to benefit from this, especially with Ertz out of the offense. He's that number one, number two target on the on the team, and if Jalen Hurts can continue performing even decently, Goddard will easily jump into the top seven, I think top five. He's not going to jump into the top five. He, he might jump into the top seven, but I mean, like, you, like Jalen Hurts, like we were talking about, he has these games where he just looks dead in the water passing and just can't throw the ball. And he just makes up for it with his rushing upside. But I mean, like, the volume in this offense is so limited. And I mean, like, Jalen Hurts exactly. hasn't really impressed me with his throwing abilities. Dallas Goddard hasn't shown, like, he hasn't flashed any anything to be a top five tight end. Well, he hasn't I think shown it. He hasn't done from, anything this year. I think from week six on, Dallas Goddard will be top five. I'm not saying he'll jump into the top ten or top seven like points wise because he hasn't had a great start. But Jalen Hurts hasn't been throwing the ball well, or he didn't throw the ball well against the Bucks because Dallas Goddard wasn't there and Dallas Goddard was injured. That's why he didn't throw the ball. What well. about against the Cowboys? How did um, he throw against that? Not great because he just had a bad game. Uh, yeah. But I feel like. When the Eagles' offense is clicking, Dallas Goddard's also clicking. Um, against the Panthers, obviously their defense is good, but Goddard still got a few targets. And Dallas Goddard against the Chiefs had two touchdowns called back. He's gotten a touchdown called back against the Falcons week one. And um, I just feel like he will definitely take that role. And Zach Ertz, even in a bad game, had six receptions for 60 yards and a touchdown. When there was... Yes, he did. Oh. When there was, Yes, he did. He had five receptions maybe five receptions for, like, at least 60, 50 yards and a two touchdown. two catches, 21 yards, and a touchdown. Yeah, no, no. Yes. No. Yes, 100%. Dallas Goddard is not just going to—Jalen Hurts is not going to provide enough volume for—I'm I'm questioning guys like Devontae Smith. Dallas Goddard, I don't know what you were thinking with Jalen Rager, but he cannot sustain two or maybe even one guy as, like, a solid option. Like, obviously— Of course he can. Obviously— because the tight end position might not be the best, but, like, you might want to start... You're probably going to start Goddard, but I just don't feel like Jalen Hurst is going to be able to sustain these guys as, like, stable top 10 guys. The the Cowboys defense isn't bad. The Uh, Cowboys defense is looking great. The Cowboys defense have got, like, they've gotten those takeaways, and the Panthers defense is also looking amazing. I feel like the Eagles have really had a bad schedule defense-wise, and when... Against the Falcons, obviously put up 34. Jalen Hurts uh, scored 34 points with that Eagles offense, and I feel like he'll easily be able to sustain Goddard, especially with Ertz gone. We haven't seen Goddard without Ertz ever, and I wouldn't know, say that's true. Yes, Ertz has been hurt a He's lot. He's been hurt, and Goddard's been playing very well. That's why he was ranked as the top seven tight end this year, and I feel like with, especially with Ertz gone, Dallas Goddard will easily be a top five tight end. No. It's just the All volume right. again. We'll see. Um, so my guy that I have going up is actually a Dalton Dalton Schultz. Um, 
so obviously he is the tight end five right now, but I do feel I do feel like as Stephon Diggs kind of falls off the pace, as Stephon Diggs kind of finds his role with Josh Allen, Dawson Knox's targets and volume might go down a little bit, and Dalton Schultz has been like like even defenses are like sleeping on him, and that's why he's been doing so well. And like not to gloat on the Cowboys for like too long here, but I might. But they can run the ball effectively with either. Tony Pollard or Zeke, they can throw the ball effectively with Coop and uh, C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup's coming back after the bye and Cedric Wilson looks good. And this offense is just firing on all cylinders that defenses just forget about Dalton Schultz. Yeah. And Dalton Schultz has just been getting all of these red zone targets. He's been getting all these like these clutch third down, um, these clutch third down catches that keep the chains moving. And I think that Dak is starting to find like a real serious connection with Dalton Schultz. Yeah, I completely agree with this. I feel like much like the Bucks with Gronk getting those targets, it's really yeah. hard. I feel like those type of offenses are the best to have a good tight end. And like against the Eagles, obviously, Dalton Schultz had a huge game. And it's mainly because, well, he didn't have a huge game. He had like 70 yards and a touchdown. But it's mainly because the, the corners are mainly just focused on the great receivers that the Cowboys have mm -hmm. just running those routes. And especially on third down, he just gets those under routes, those little drags across the field that can yeah. easily lead to 15, yard, 15 yards. And, uh, and, and also in the red zone, he gets those drags across the field where Dak is rolling out and he just dumps it off to, to um, Dalton Schultz and he runs for a touchdown. Mm -hmm. And honestly, especially Gronk's been doing the exact same thing. And we see even without Gronk, the Bucks tight ends can play well. And I feel like, it might be a little bit hard because Blake Jarwin's also there. He got a touchdown last week. But I feel like either way, uh, Dalton Schultz can easily keep up this productivity and honestly jump. Yeah, I agree. I think he'll maybe – I think he's jumping Mark Andrews 100% because Mark Andrews is <laughs> going to fall down. And I feel like he can Shut also up. jump Dalton Knox and honestly be a top three tight end. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say – I think that he definitely jumps – Dawson Knox, but I am like worried about like some of these guys like TJ Hawkinson, Kyle Pitts kind of picking up the pace a little bit and maybe definitely finishing over him. But I feel like he is, I think he's a viable tight end option for the rest of the season. Yeah. I'm I not, definitely think he is. I'm not really worried about Hawkinson. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't think Hawkinson really is getting those targets week one and two. He has been, but. I don't think he's been getting great targets, but Pitts mm -hmm. is definitely might be able to keep it up because they've really just seen what he can do. Yeah. Yeah. So now, so now we're going to go to our last segment here, which is previewing our games of the week. And so Caleb, what is your game of the week here? Um, definitely Browns Cardinals. I think this is a huge test for Kyler Murray and the offense because, you know, the Cardinals defense hasn't looked great. In the shootout that the Cardinals had earlier or early in the season, they should have lost that game. And I think this game is just going to be a total just scoring fest. I think Kareem Hunt will go completely crazy. I think he'll, like I said, he'll fall off after that. But Kareem Hunt will definitely have a huge game. And I think it's really just up to Kyler Murray if he can keep up with this Browns offense, who has really been firing on all cylinders. The Browns defense has not looked great. Um, I think the front seven for the Browns will really step it up, though. And I think um, it's really just a test for Kyler Murray to see if they are the real deal. And I think if they go 6-0, and they're the clear best team in the league. I think this is a more of a test for Baker Mayfield this week. And the Cardinals offense, I think, are going to 
force be put up points with the Browns rushing game, but I definitely feel like I definitely feel like Baker Mayfield like I wouldn't go as far as saying like his job is on the line, but his reputation like uh like in the league and like amongst the media is definitely on the line here because the Cardinals are slowing down a little bit yeah. ever since they beat the Rams and I feel like Baker Mayfield has to prove that he's able to win these close games and like these 2 minute drills that he just fails to run. I don't I think whoever gets the ball last in this game wins the game. And I feel like if that's Baker Mayfield, I I think he has to I don't think that he will be able to run a 2 minute drill cuz he just he they just rely so much on Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb when he's there to like run the ball, get it out of Baker's hands and I'd be very interested to see how Baker uh plays this game, but I do have the Cardinals winning this game. Um, I actually have the Browns winning this game, and I think, um, you know, they really, their defense really just got completely embarrassed by Justin Herbert last week, and I think they'll really be able to step it up and have a bounce-back week against Kyler and get pressure on him with that front seven. But also, I feel like with the Cardinals, I do think that they're the best team in the league, but I also think that they've gotten a little bit lucky. Not to take anything away from Kyler and what he's been doing, but I feel like when the, like I said before, when the defense doesn't play well, the offense plays well. When the de- offense doesn't play well, the defense doesn't play well. Or the defense does play well. And I feel like, you know, it's been a little bit lucky when those performances happen because easily they could both not play well in a game and just lead to a complete loss um, against the 49ers. Their offense played terribly. It did not look good at all. And I feel like against this Browns team, it's really just going to be a matter of who can score the ball more. And if Kyler Murray is not clicking, if D-Hop isn't getting those targets, I don't think that the Cardinals be a, will be able to score as many points as Baker Mayfield will put up because, you know, the Cardinals' defense sometimes looks good, but it sometimes also looks terrible like it did against the Vikings. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Baker Mayfield with those weapons in OBJ and Jarvis Landry, I feel like he'll be able to put up points against this Cardinals team and the Cardinals you know, Kyler Murray, it's a big test for him. Like I said, I feel like against the Vikings, like I said before, they he looked great in the shootout, but they still weren't able to win that game. Mm-hmm. Or well, they did win the game, but they it didn't look like they should have won that game. But um I feel like it's just a big test for Kyler if he can keep up this five and oh like pra- praise that he's been getting, um, this MVP candidate stuff, and it's really just a test for him. And I don't think yeah. he'll be able to I think he'll have a good game, but I think the Browns just overpower them. I think that the big thing here is that there's so many stars on both sides of both sides of the ball for both of these teams. Yeah. I mean, like you have a guy like uh, Clowney; he's gonna be out for this game. Miles Garrett; he's banged up. Nick Chubb, obviously not playing, and Cliff Kingsbury is out with COVID. Exactly. Chandler Jones out with COVID. Mm. It's like there's so many stars missing in this game that I'm really interested to see how these quarterbacks play. Yeah. And I mean like they're going to be up to them. Yeah. I think they have a lot on their shoulders and if Kyler wins this game, I think he is the MVP. Yeah. At the time. That yeah, definitely. I just don't think he'll be able to just with the coach out, obviously, he's been Cliff Kingsbury has done a great job, you know, getting all these receivers into the mix. But I think, you know, like you said before when the coach is out, they normally just give the ball to the best player and I think with that happening, um, D-Hop is going to have a huge game and will maybe lead the Cardinals to win this game with D-Hop. Mm-hmm. But I think the Cardinals' other weapons have been playing great. I just don't think they'll be able to get those routes in the ball that Cliff, 
that Kingsbury normally draws up for them. Yeah. Like AJ Green has gotten a lot of volume and has looked really good. Surprisingly, you know, he's really old and he's just looked great. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just feel like um, they're just not going to be able to get the ball around the field that much. I think Kyler will still have a good game, but I just don't think they'll be able to uh, play as well as the Browns. Mm-hmm. So my game of the week is the Chargers versus Ravens. And I'm just going to say that the Ravens are the most overrated team in football right now. And there is a, there is a scenario where this Ravens team is 0-5. 0-5. There's, there's so many. Okay. So basically, week one, they lose to the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Week two... Uh well I'm gonna go a little bit out of order here. Week one they lose to the Raiders. Tucker hits a 66 yarder against the Lions to win. Yep. That's that could have been easily Clyde a loss. Fumbles. And then obviously when they played the Chiefs, you had Clyde fumble on the Ravens 40 yard yep. line. Clyde doesn't fumble and they get into field goal range. They could have won. The Chiefs could have won that game. Mm-hmm. And then um the, actually I'm gonna change it. They should be one and four. They beat the Broncos straight up. But against the Colts. The Colts, Lamar fumbled on the one-yard line, and the Colts returned it for a touchdown, but they called it back for an illegal forward pass, which was a really questionable questionable call. And again, Rodrigo Blankenship missed a field goal that would have put him up by nine with two minutes left in the game and easily would have iced the game. And I just feel like this Ravens team is getting a little bit overrated right now, and I feel like the Chargers are red hot. I think the Chargers are just going to take it. Yeah. I feel like this game could go either way. Um, I think the Chargers definitely are looking incredible, and I think they're a top-three team in the league at this point. I think they're number three. They're looking really good, but I also think that it's really just all on Lamar's shoulders here. Um, you know, People are calling him the MVP. They're, he's, they're comparing it to his MVP season, um, and he's really put up the, he's put up the uh, stats as an MVP would, but it's really just about his turnovers. Against the Chiefs, he had a few interceptions. Against the Colts, obviously, he fumbled at the one-yard line. And but the Ravens have really just like found a way to win all these games, despite like obviously being down against the Colts, you know, having to make a stop on defense against the Chiefs. They did get that stop and they found a way to win these games. Um, it's gonna be hard for them to do that against the Chargers because I think the Chargers, if Lamar if if the Chargers go up seven zero and Lamar turns the ball over at any point in that span when they're losing, I think the Chargers can definitely just blow this game. Yeah up and just completely run the Ravens out of the stadium. But I feel like if Lamar can keep the ball, you know, to his own players and just feed Marquise Brown and that run game and also use his legs, I feel like they'll definitely be able to win this. And honestly, the Chargers haven't looked great at the end of games. They've they've looked pretty well against the teams that they've had to beat. But I feel like against the Browns with that pass interference call at the end that I've seen all over TikTok, um, it's really just, and also against the Cowboys when they've had all those penalties that mm-hmm. could have put them up in a drive that they could have put them up. And, um, I feel like they just haven't really performed well at the end of games. They got bailed out by the pass interference call against the chiefs. And I feel like the chargers, it's really just a test for Herbert. Again, like I said, a test for Kyler. It's honestly, all these quarterbacks are really just, it's really just up to them this week. I feel like Herbert has to prove himself as that top five quarterback. I feel like that people have been saying, I think he's at least top seven, but I think he really has to just prove himself again, and Lamar just proved that he can keep the ball to his own team and not turn the ball over and cost him the game. Yeah. I think that I think that Herbert, Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, 
Mike Williams is actually playing. He didn't practice at all this week, but Staley said that he was hopeful that he would play. But I feel like the Chargers just have so much firepower. The Ravens' defense hasn't looked the greatest because you have like a guy like Marcus Peters tearing his ACL. And I just feel like I feel like the Chargers, the Chargers last year were known for blowing like these close games, and that's how the Ravens have been winning in these close games. Yeah. But this is a new Chargers team. This is a new Chargers team, and Justin Herbert is an MVP candidate right now, and he's going to prove it this week and beat the Ravens. Yeah, I think for fantasy applications, Austin Eckler is going to have a monster game. I think he's going to completely tear up this Ravens defense. Mm -hmm. Jonathan Taylor tear up the Ravens defense, I think. And on Jonathan Taylor doesn't even catch the ball that much, except on that like 80-yard yeah. swing pass. But um, Austin Eckler is going to completely destroy this Ravens defense, and I'm so excited to watch it for fantasy. Yeah. I think he's going to go for over 30 points, maybe three touchdowns, just like Jonathan Jonathan Taylor, just like Jonathan Taylor did almost. Um, and I just feel like Austin Eckler is going to have a huge game, and I think the Chargers' offense is going to play well. But I think it's really just up to Lamar. Yeah. Okay, thank you guys for listening, and thanks for Caleb for coming on. Thank you to Josh, the producer, and the Brooklyn Podcasting Studio, and we'll see you guys next week.